0: Welcome, everybody, to this week's exciting episode.
1: Hello, Gavna. Do you want to come round to me pool and have a
0: sploosh? <laughs> I was not expecting that one. <laughs> I thought I'd try and be uh, typically British. Uh, very, very British. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, so this exciting episode is going to be <laughs> carrying on with the... Um, the book Dive that we started last week. Yeah. Now, since last week, I have actually had a telephone call with the author of the book, uh, Joe LaRosa, Giuseppe LaRosa. He prefers to be called Joe. And... Uh, do you remember last week I was struggling to actually pronounce the name? Yes. On the, so it is actually pronounced the Chronicles of Mianaya. Mianaya. Yeah, not Mionia or Miania. <laughs> it's Mianaya? So I'll try and remember that and reference it properly this week. So... Last week, we managed to get to the end of the, obviously, the Greenstone right at the very start. Yes. And then we went through the whole ordeal that was the getting of the Eye of Fire. Yep. Um But I did, as I was editing it up, I realized that I kind of stumbled a little bit on what happened to the Guardian.
1: Ah, yes, yes. Do you remember,
0: I, I did actually say that the Guardian was essential to um, them getting the, the retrieving mm-hmm. the stone. And while they were on the boat, just before they got the stone, uh, the Guardian possessed one of them, didn't they? Yes. Uh, and uh, it was a guy called Martin. Yeah, to restrain he, him, Yeah, he they? attacked Graham. They have to restrain Martin and then explain to the Guardian that th- they are sent by Guevara mm-hmm. to get the stone, you know, uh, and they sort of have to prove themselves to the Guardian. And then I think the Guardian just sort of disperses and Martin collapses... Yeah. They don't actually knock him out physically I don't think he he just kind of <laughs> you know goes into a coma or whatever. Um but yeah that, that I just wanted to explain that a little bit because uh, obviously I realized uh, my error when I was editing mm-hmm. it. But now we are going to be facing collecting the rest of these stones. Also I said there was eight stones there's not there's nine. Nine, nine stones. Because the, the the whole group, there's nine people in the group. They're called the Nine, aren't they? So it oh, makes, yeah, makes yeah. sense that there's nine stones. Mm. And now we're going to dive into getting the rest of the stones. Okey doke. Um, but before we go too far with that, there's just this one little um, little entry. It's only a couple of pages, um, where Graham and Mike and Terry are visited by the god uh, Pan. Hmm. Uh, pan is a god of the Greek myths, uh, a nature god usually depicted with goat's legs who played the Pan Pipes. So hence is, he's called Pan.
1: Is that a reference to Pan's Labyrinth as well? Would Could there be, be some yeah, sort yeah, of connection? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so Pan speaks to them through Graham. Mm-hmm. and he wants them to go to the top of the garden and dig a hole now Terry knows uh, from the history of his house that there used to be a well at the top of the garden mm. so he assumes that Pan wants them to reopen the well, so that's what they do they get spade and they go up there and they, they dig this hole and then Graham, speaking as Pan uh, tells them to have a look what do you see? so they look down into the hole and they're like I can't see anything. There's not nothing there. He's like, are you sure? And they're like, looking down into the hole, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not seeing anything. Uh, he, he says, nothing, I replied, for there was nothing in the hole as far as I could see. Pan then replied, you must see something. Tell me what you see. Mike looked again, can't see anything. And Pan says, can't you see a hole? <laughs> and they're like, well, yeah. He's like, well, that's something, isn't it? Mm. And they're like, well, I suppose so, yeah. And then they realise that Pan is trying to shift their perspective on things, you know? Mm. It's almost like, you know, the old phrase, can't see the wood for the trees. Yeah. And, you know, he he's just trying to get them to open their minds up and shift their perspective. So, you know, because the whole ordeal that they're going to go through requires some quite open-mindedness. I you die, yeah, yeah, okay, so not long after that, um the group retrieves a r- receives a communication from a woman called Margaret, and she tells them that they've got to go into the field out of the back of the house and find an object that is buried in the ground. She can't tell them where it is. She says that a metal detector will be no good. It's not in a metal box. Mm. They assume that it's not in a wooden box because that would corrode over many, many years. So they haven't got a clue how they're going to find it. So for several days, they're stumped over this. They try like scrying with a pendant, but the wind just ruins it. And what they eventually do is they they douse for it. There's lots of ways of doing douse. and you ever seen people walking along with two bent rods? Yeah, and the, and the find yeah. water or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or, or or spiritual energy or anything like that. Well, they, they, they kind of do it with with the spade that they're going to use. They they just hold the T-handle the spade in between two fingers and walk up and down the field with it sort of gently waving in the wind. And then suddenly the spade actually kind of jerks towards a point on the ground and... It looks like a, a point that the farmer hasn't used in quite a while. You know, it's a bit of a scrubland area that hasn't been farmed. Mm-hmm. So they start digging. They get a little bait down, and they find a glass bottle sealed up at the top with paper inside. So they take it back to the house, unseal it, take the paper out, and um, uh, on the uh, the the, pa- the first paper... Uh, it says this must be read by the lady of the house. Margaret? And only the lady of the house. No, no, <laughs> it, it's from Margaret. Pam is the lady of the. Pat is the lady of the house. Ah, yes. Terry, Terry's wife. So she's she is tasked with le- reading the letter. She reads it privately first to herself, and then she reads out what she's allowed to read out. Yeah. Or at yeah. least what we're allowed to know. And I'm going to read this in its entirety. So, this is from. Margaret, My friends, I do not know that you shall discover my legacy, but I do know that you are my successors. Each generation has now been employed, so I also know that this will be the time of the gathering. What I leave you is the knowledge you will need. I leave this message as I have been instructed, written in pencil and left in so simple a vessel. At least one of you will live at the cottage." I, I, I'm i guessing that's the cottage that she lived in. Uh, a, a place of such fond memories for me. Only the lady of the house must read this, this message. Read it aloud to your friends. The final remarks, however, you must not repeat, for that is only for you, my dear. After you have done this, set fire to the message. Keep the drawings and the book. This is Mianaya. Mianaya, pronounced mm. it correctly. Nailed it. When a creature develops the capacity for knowing, The light rejoices through the darkness, though the darkness cries out. For the light may be be made greater, and the darkness recede. For in knowing is the microcosm of all. In each enlightened soul is all light, but transcendence from knowing to enlightenment seldom occurs. Once some who transcended were of the darkness, and there was created untold devastation. Thus, there is the test. In eight stages, humanity has been directed towards this time of the final test. During human history, eight times has she worked through one who is mortal, each of them using one of the eight rays of knowledge, all formed as a gem to aid them in their task. So I was wrong. There is eight gems. <laughs> <laughs> you were, well, you were right the first time. Yeah, I was right the first time. Okay. So, Sare held the black gem, Athena held the purple, Guevara held the red, Edith held the yellow, Mary Stuart held the green, Elizabeth Stuart held the grey, Mary Heath held the orange, and I, Margaret, held the blue. On the first three occasions, the one herself was manifest. Only four times would she come, once a queen, once a warrior once a priestess, and finally a commoner. After each stone was used, it was hidden or given over for safekeeping so that at the final time they would be gathered for the final test. When the eight gems have been retrieved, then the ninth shall be used and transcendence accomplished. So there is nine eventually. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are many branches upon the tree, but only one will bear fruit. At the final test, all other branches will return to dust. The fate of this branch lies with you, my successors. I do not know the nature of the final test, but I have the knowledge that will help you in your quest to gather the eight gems. The Dark Ones will try and stop you, so these three things will aid you. Firstly, you should know about the sword. The sword could slay the beast. It lay in the sacred tomb undiscovered for many centuries, until it was unearthed, then the murderer, later born of that family who possessed the sword, came under the power of the beast. In your time the beast shall manifest and he will possess the sword. It may yet be his undoing. I believe that it will be of benefit for you to know how it was found. One of us wrote about it, so I leave you a part of his book. Secondly, you should know about the chalice. A cup was also fashioned by Guevara. This cup, which has been called the Grail, made it possible to commune directly with She. You will need it to guide you. As I have been instructed, I leave you a drawing of its location. There you will find the Chalice of Guevara. I also leave you a picture of Mary. Mary Heath, that is, the only picture I know of her. I am sure you will know of Mary. I do not know quite why I should do this. Finally, I must tell you of the power of each gem. Uh, Pat paused, then looked around at us as if trying to gauge our thoughts. At this moment, she was central to what was occurring. Margaret had stated in a letter that at least one of us would live at the cottage. I wonder how she could have known this. Had Margaret possessed the power of clairvoyance, which had enabled her to perceive the future, it was certainly a possibility. After a few moments, Pat continued, revealing the power of each gem, which we had to remain secret, so we don't get to know about that. Mm. Pat then read out Margaret's last words. Bless you all. Margaret Countess of B the, the, whatever the B is the first letter of a word but it's it's not here in the book. Okay. So that's kind of the outline of what they've got to do. This tree that she talked about there are many branches upon the tree we touched on last week. You remember the tree of life. Mm-hmm because you said it would make a good tattoo design. It make a sick tattoo. Um basically they have to go through this tree of life. They do have they do they got a sketch of the 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 castle of the grail. They find out that it's Stafford Castle. Mm. They do go there. Uh they're told to take a mirror uh, and looking through the mirror they see a ghostly uh, figure in the castle and they can see like an ethereal version of the chalice, but they can't take it. Mm. They need the rest of the stones first. Ah, oh, okay. hence, this is why they have to go through the tree of life. Now, this is a spiritual journey. So Graham goes into a trance, um, and they have to... Um, it, it, it's... it's like I say, a psychic sort of journey. So Graham is is physic, psychically traveling through this tree of life and they have to present themselves to the god that is within each circle or sphere of the tree of life to, in an attempt to get the blue stone, okay? So Graham goes into a, a trance and he starts talking in an a gentle but authoritative voice. It says... I am Metatron, the guardian of the tree. You are here tonight in order to obtain certain information concerned, concerning the blue stone, which I am not allowed to divulge. This information you must obtain by your own efforts, using your own innate knowledge. I can tell you that each sphere and path has a guardian, and in order to get past, you will need to know who the guardian is and what gift he or she desires to allow you to pass." and the animal associated with that sphere. Once past the guardian, you will have to call on the god of that sphere. You must not, under any circumstances, call on the guardian or god of a sphere unless you are certain that it has been identified correctly. If a mistake is made, it cannot be rectified, and you must retrace your steps. I will accompany you to the first sphere. Yesod, then it is up to you. Uh, then, then he comes back a moment later, he says, It is I, Metatron. You are at the first portal and may now begin, for the Guardian is waiting. I wish you well on your journey. So they they ask, any, any, any of us know who the Guardian is? Marion replies, I think it might be An- Anubis, for he is the Guardian to the entrance of the Egyptian underworld. An- Anubis was the Egyptian god of the afterlife. Uh, and usually uh, depicted with a canine head. You know, the dog-headed... I actually have him as a tattoo. Yes, Um, yeah. Anubis. Has a cane
1: as well, doesn't he? Yes,
0: yes. Uh, Joe says, yeah, that sounds plausible. I believe that the purple sphere, yes, is connected to the underworld. Right, let's try him, says Terry. Alan, it's your sphere, so you call an Anubis. Alan's face reflected the uncertainty that he was feeling, but he was willing to give it a go as there appeared to be no apparent danger in, this beginning, in his beginning the quest. In any case, he knew that being the person associated with the purple sphere, he had no other choice. Um, is the guardian of Yesod present? He asked. I am, came an ominous reply. Obviously, this is Graham speaking as the god. Yeah. Uh, is your name Anubis? Alan queried softly. It is. May we enter the sphere? Only if you have the knowledge of my animal and my gift. Does anybody know? Well, I declare, this is Joe, Anubis is the dog-headed Egyptian god of the dead. And as guardian of the entrance to the underworld, maybe it has something to do with his association with death. The soul of the dead person had to go past him first to enter the underworld. That's right, said Marion. If I remember correctly, he's often depicted in Egyptian art holding an ankh. Ankh is the symbol of resurrection and eternal life. That is an ankh. Mm. My other tattoo. (laughs) Um, I bet his gift is an ankh cross, and it's obvious the animal associated with the sphere is the dog. Has anybody got an ankh, Terry said. No, but I've got a cross. I'll go get it. So she goes and gets it. Give it to Alan, Pat. Let's hope it'll do, Terry said. So... Pat took the cross off the chain, handed it to Alan. Now all eyes were on him. Alan looked directly at Graham and stated, Anubis, your animal is the dog and your gift is the cross. They they, they, they don't know what's going on. Quick Mike, quick, Mike says, put the cross in his hand. Alan leaned forward and placed the cross in Graham's upturned palm. Graham closed his palm. The gift had been accepted. You may pass, he said slowly. Thank goodness, Janet replied. What's next? Gaynor piped up. Uh, we're in the purple sphere, Terry said with relief. Now we need to know the identity of the god that resides here. Yesod is linked to the moon, and Diana is ancient moon goddess, Marion stated knowingly. Okay, let's try her. Right, Alan, call her name and ask if we can cross through the sphere. Alan shuffled uncomfortably. Diana, may we cross your sphere? he asked. Um, Graham sighed in a gentle tone reply. You may. With a sigh of relief, Alan relaxed into his seat. His task for the moment completed. One sphere now. The next objective was to traverse the path to the orange sphere called Hod. But first the guardian of the path to Hod had to be identified and placated with a gift. Who or what was the guardian? Um, So Marion pulls out a piece of paper and it's got the diagram of the tree of life which I've been carrying around with me just in case it was needed. On it are the paths and the equivalent tarot card that relates to each sphere and path. The next Guardian is the Hermit. Thank God you knew that one, he said. <laughs> mm. Okay, so uh, Guardian, are you there? Uh, Graham slowly stood up, alarming us all by his action. Had we done something wrong, I thought to myself? Um, but Anyway, yeah. Uh, Graham had adopted the god form recognised as the hermit, uh, He he's standing, holding one hand higher than the other. Um, the higher hand should have been holding a lantern, and his lower hand grasping and leaning on a staff. It is the hermit, I get Joe grasped. Graham's taken on the god form. Um, Are you the hermit? Terry inquired. It is I. Can we cross your path to the orange sphere? Only if you have my gifts. Um... Hermit usually carries a lantern. Maybe this is what he wants, a light to lead the way across the path. Uh, Yeah, I believe you're right, Marion. I haven't got a lantern, though, but I have the next best thing. Pat, there's a torch in the kitchen. Can you get it? So Pat goes and gets a torch, literally like a flashlight. Um, And they give it to Graham. And they say, can you guide us across the path now? He stays silent maybe he requires another gift, Janice remarked, running her. Yes, he did say gifts, plural. Um, I know what he wants. Um, cries Terry. He disappeared out of the room, returned with a short staff uh, that I recognised as one that he had carved from a branch of a tree. Placing at the lower hand of the, termit, of the hermit, he once again addressed the entity. Now can you guide us across the path? Follow my light. Came the eerie response. Uh, so there we go. across the path. I think we're there. Marion said, uh, recognizing that the hermit had, had departed. Who do we call next? Inquired Mike. Well, I know that Mercury is the god of the orange sphere. Terry replied assuredly. All we need to know is who the guardian, and all we need to know is who is the guardian and what is his gift. Does anybody have any ideas? Well, Mercury is associated with both Hermes and Thoth. I responded. As you're aware, in Egyptian mythology, Thoth is depicted as two animal forms, one of an ape and one of an ibis bird. It's possible that one of these animals is associated with sphere. Of course, that does make sense, Joe, says Marion. Remember, remember, Terry, that we encountered the ape of Thoth at Bedulf Grange. I'll bet that Thoth is the guardian along with his totem animal, the ape. Okay, I'll go with that, but what's his gift? I don't know. Maybe it's got something to do with the bird that Thoth is associated with. That's possible. Mercury, is m- as messenger of the gods, is connected to the flight because he has a pair of winged sandals. A bird, of course, has wings. Thoth also has a scribe. Also, was the scribe of the gods, as you know, there were no biros in antiquity, and the scribes used a quill feather to write. There's a connection between wings and feathers. Terry. Then pipes up. Flight is the answer, he stated. It's connected uh, to my interest in aviation. I bet the gift required is a feather. And I actually found one this morning. A crow feather. I'll go and fetch it. (laughs) (laughs) So off he goes. Gives Graham the feather. Um, Guardian, are you there? Um, No response. Try using his name, Mike says. "Foth, are you there? Um... At that moment, Graham stood up unexpectedly, startling Terry, Pat and Janet, who were closest to him. He adopted an odd, hunched stance and began to walk around the room in a strange gait. He stopped by Terry and began to peck at his clothing with his hands. For a few moments, this peculiar action had us baffled as we wondered what on earth was going on. I watched Graham and suddenly realised that I'd seen this action before. "'It is Thoth!' I explained. "'Graham has taken on uh, one of Thoth's god forms, that of an ape.' What he's doing is preening ritual. I've seen baboons carry out in nature programs on the telly. The baboon is the eighth of Thoth. Of course, Marion said, it is Thoth. Terry, give him the feather. So they give him the feather. They say, Thoth, can we enter the orange sphere? Graham slowly nods his head. Right, I'm going to carry straight on, Terry said adamantly. After all, we know the god of the sphere is Mercury. That's fine, but be careful. Mercury, can we cross your sphere? You may, says Graham. They've done two spheres. I'm, I'm actually going to skip on a little bit because we, we're looking at the time. Uh, each one of these um, spheres that they pass through, obviously, you know, they have to do this multiple times. It goes on for a, a, a little while.
1: Is this just to get one stone?
0: This is just to get the information for the stone, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is like crystal maze. Yeah, because they, they, um, they don't actually get the, the stone um, from, from all this. Once they go through all the spheres, they get greeted by Metatron again. It is I, Metatron, guardian of the tree. Thank you for what you have achieved tonight. The world at large will never know the debt that it holds for you for what you have done. In travelling the tree of life, you have evoked the forces that will assist you in gaining the stones of the tree of life. My gratitude knows no bounds. I thank you once again. Go now. Your task tonight is finished. And the, the, like I say, they don't get it that night, but this the stone is apported to them, I think, the next day or a few days later. Actually, uh, next few weeks, it says. Um, but, yeah, uh, uh, they go round to the house and... Uh, Terry says, oh, have you got the stone, Pat? Um, Pat smiled and put her hand in her shorts pocket, rooting around a few seconds, Then she pulled out her hand, open palm in front of me. Lying there was a deep blue elliptical stone with a flash of yellow running through one side. Picking it up, I gazed deeply into its surface, fascinated by the unusual yellow streak. I'd never seen a gemstone like this before. It took some finding, said Pat, but I'm just glad that we managed to get it. Um, so that's that one. And to be honest, I think because they went through this mission, I'm gonna have a little drink. <laughs> because they went through this mission mm-hmm. of the Tree of Life, like Metatron says, I, I, I guess it's kind of it's built up trust with them, with that spirit realm. And over the next over the next few sort of weeks or whatever, one by one, they keep getting these stones apported to them. I yeah. think. Um,
1: <laughs> so I think I, they've kind of shown that their intentions are good.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what they've been trying to achieve with this whole tree of life. And then um, over the next few weeks, they do get these stones. They just kind of materialise. I mean, one of them, I think it's Pat, uh, is told to take an empty box and go and stand in this force of energy that runs through the house that they call the pillar. <clears throat> Yep. Um, like an upwards energy. It goes up straight through the, f- the the lounge into the bedroom upstairs and she's told to go and stand in the pillar with an empty box and then a few minutes later she opens the box knowing that it was empty beforehand and one of the gemstones is there. That's so strange. Um, and then they... Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they, that's what I mean. They, they, over the next few weeks, each of them manages to get uh they all of their stones the white stone the the blue stone the gr- they got the green stone they've got the orange stone already um but they don't get the red stone at all at this point oh. because the red stone is the most powerful it's kind of like thanos's infinity stone <laughs> right you know yeah. it, it's the most powerful one therefore it is left until the end and mm. do you remember in the letter that we read out uh She said there were three things you must obtain, the sword and the chalice, Um and then you can get the stone.
1: Ah, oh, so it's that red stone is the last is one. Is the last thing
0: to get. So, first of all, they've got to go for the sword, I believe it is. Just let me the sword no no first of all sorry they get the chalice oh yeah um in mid-september the me and i group was convened at terry shotton's home but without janet and myself who could not be contacted uh, graham called everyone who was available together and it was imperative that guevara's chalice was obtained as soon as possible he was not sure who needed to be involved and had asked marion to bring her pack of tarot cards with her Mario placed a deck of tarot cards on the table. Graham tapped the deck with his index finger. We're going to have to use the tarot in order to see who it is to be involved in finding Guevara's chalice. Obviously, Joe and Janet won't be because they're not here. Personally, I feel that it may be Marion's job to find the chalice. So they split the pack, turned the top card over. It was the wrong one. Terry, Pat, and Gaynor went next, followed by Mike and Alan. Each failed to turn up the correct card that represented their position on the tree of life. Now only Marion was left. She stared at the pack for a few moments and then reached out and picked it up. Now the quest to discover Ch- Guevara's chalice had landed uncomfortably on her shoulders. Marion shuffled the cards with deliberation and then split the pack, placing both halves on the table. She turned the card over and gave a sigh of relief. There staring lifelessly up from the deck was the Magician, the tarot card of the Major Arcana that she represented on the tree of life. It's going to be you then, Graham remarked. What have I got to do? It's your job to locate the trellis. I don't know how I'm going to do that, she said. Well, you can do it. It's just down to your intuition. Besides, there's no one else to turn to anyway. So Marion puts on a brave face And um, they, I think they go for a, like, a drive.
1: And it's telling her to go for a drive.
0: I don't know. Hang on. <laughs> I don't have a clue where it is, Marion protested. I have no impressions of it at all of its whereabouts. It's got to be near here somewhere, seeing as you were the only one to select the appropriate card. It seems logical, but I still don't know how I'm going to find it. This is what we'll do. We'll drive to the, into the country, and you tell Terry which direction to go in. When we reach a junction, you'll have to tell us whether to go left or right. OK, so we give it a go. So that's what they do. I thought there was a drive involved. Uh, and eventually, uh, Marion, like, she's the one who's direct in the way. And eventually she tells them to stop the car in a lay-by. And they go walking across these fields. Um, and, um, yeah, they, they go down by a, a stream. And they're just, just walking around, just having a little gaze about. And Marion says, oh, well, that's a pretty pink colour. Is that the thing for is that thing a flower growing down there? What thing? Uh, that thing down there... Honest, oh, it's Gaynor said. Gainer drawled, pointing at a finger. Um, Terry, Marion and Graham looked at each other and then bent down to see what all the fuss was about. Gazing down at the bottom of the rock, Marion noticed a pink colour was situated in a hollow crevice carved into the stone. Then she gasped in surprise as her f- eyes focused clearly on what the pink colour was emanating from. At the same time, Graham rose to his feet, pointing at the rock. He was trying to speak, but was choking on his words in excitement. Bloody hell, Marion cried out in astonishment. It's the chalice! In a hollow between the earth and the stone sat Guevara's chalice, brimming with rose quartz crystals. In one swift motion, Gaina slid off the rock, dropped to her knees. She stared in disbelief as her eyes fell on the rose-pink crystals that filled the chalice. Pick it up, Marion said. All right, let's get out of here, Terry said, feeling that a hasty retreat was in order. Um
1: so the chalice was just there. It was just
0: there, and they, they say it's got to be an apport. Graham stated. There's no other way that it could have gotten there, because obviously it's just a little wooden chalice, um covered with with um I guess these are gemstones. Uh, and and an a port is like a, a materialization, yeah. Oh it's okay. It's just yeah. appeared out of nowhere.
1: Right, on with you.
0: Right. So they all agree. Certainly the wooden chalice could not have survived in its present condition if it had been left where they had found it. So they all go back and that one is that. Um, After that, they each have their own special mission. Do you remember I told you last week that that Joe would have a mission? Yes. Even though he he completes his mission, they tell him that he's failed because he wasn't intuitive enough to turn up on the right day. The The next chapter is that. I'm I'm, I'm not going to read through all that, but he's told to find the mystery of the Tower Hotel. Um, There's a picture of the Tower Hotel here. Uh, So he goes there, um, speaks to the staff and whatnot, the person who owns it, Uh, and they tell him that the Tower Hotel is called the Tower Hotel because it used to have two towers but they were dismantled many years ago.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: The feeling that that is the answer to the riddle, um, he, he, he goes back and reports, and then obviously, yeah, they tell him that he was too late. Um, if I can just fast forward to that a little bit. Uh. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. yeah he says although disappointed that i had not passed my test i was relieved that i was still participating in the project now the tests were over and the opportunity to discover king arthur's stored excalibur had passed the conclusion of this episode was disappointing but i had a suspicion that things turned out the way they should have done the various sketches that i had been involved with had showed me in no uncertain terms that i was involved in something quite extraordinary the events themselves, though, sometimes appearing unconnected, were like the branches of a tree, all linked to the same prime cause. What the next episode would be, I did not have a clue, but I was ready for, to face anything for the project. The next task... <laughs> because Do you remember what I, I said? It's like, kind of like Indiana Jones. Mm. One thing leads on to the next. Now, they've got, they've got the gemstones. They've got the chalice. Next, they need Guevara's sword. Yes. They can't get... St- Gravara's sword without the seven rings of the Wraiths. <laughs> okay, so they got to find these rings first, and again, this is a bit of a weird one because um, they go around to I think it's Terry's house again, the shottens They've all got their stones, and they, there's a new person actually in the in the in the group who just joins that night called Cheska Potter. I'm guessing that. Possibly f- uh, short for Francesco or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you say they've got all the stones at this point, or just the ones at, that apart from the red stone? Oh, so they've got seven, seven stones. Yeah, okay. At this point, point. and they are, yeah, yeah. They 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 meet up with a group. Uh, and this new woman uh, has joined. Cheska wanted to see what the project entails, Graham said. I thought that tonight would be as good as any to let us see what occurs. Okay, fair enough. So then Graham says, listen carefully, everyone. I've been informed that there is another sword which we have to get, a sword that is believed to be Gorvara's. But in order to prove who we are, that we are the legitimate inheritors of the sword, there is something that we have to do. We've been called here tonight to try and obtain certain objects. These artefacts are seven rings that have been placed in a graveyard of evil souls. This is a place that lies beyond this physical reality, beyond time and space. These rings were put there to stop them falling into the wrong hands, especially those who had occult knowledge and were of the dark side. We need to obtain these rings to get the sword. Tonight is the night. When we have to call on the spectral forms of the dead to bring the rings to us, it is a very dangerous undertaking that we've been given to do. In order to protect us from any danger, the green stone has been brought here. Because Alan is no longer with us, Cesca's here. Cheska here is going to take his place tonight and hold the stone. <laughs> Cheska appeared startled by Graham's statement. It seemed that she had not been informed that she would be an important part of the night's proceedings. I sincerely hope that she was up to the task, for the project was not something for the faint-hearted. So they turn off the lights... Um, it's about to get spooky. Yeah. Uh, What's happening, Cheska whispered. You'll know in a short while, I replied, and I asked don't talk yet, you must be quiet. Um, I looked across at Graham, his face hardly visible except for the light of the fire, waving, weaving dancing shadows upon it. His eyes were closed, he breathed deeply, and then his body shook slightly. Graham licked his lips and then began to speak, almost in a whisper. I'm sorry, but we cannot hear you, Terry said. Graham's voice became louder. He said, This is Raymond. I have come to aid you in your task. You have to try to obtain the seven rings tonight. There is a very dangerous task, as you have been told. They are guarded by the spirits of the evil dead. The only thing that will appease them is the wooden chalice. Is it here? Marion gasped. Oh, no, she exclaimed in horror. I haven't brought it. Then it will be as it will be. "'Raymond responded calmly. "'You will have to call on them without it and face them as best you can.' "'But what if we can't control them?' Marion blurted "'What if they're too strong for us?' "'Do not worry,' Raymond replied reassuringly. "'I will be here, and if necessary, I will come through Graham again if you need help. "'Graham must be himself when you first call the race, "'for you will need all the help that you can get. "'You must sit round a table and seal yourselves.' This is done by placing a circle of salt around the area that you're sitting in. This circle is your protection, and I warn you now, on no account must the circle of salt be broken, for there could be dire consequences. If this should occur, as I have said before, I will be close at hand to help if needs be. Now I will go. Good luck. Graham returns to, him to normal self. Um, so... Obviously, they, they make a circle of salt around table and chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, who's Raymond, Chesco? <laughs> um, he's just someone who communicates us from time to time, I answered. He used to be a member of the Mianaya group The Miania group in the past. Once, while at Marion's house, Terry was told to ring Pat up at home and tell her to go into a bedroom because something had been placed on the bed. He rung her and she went upstairs. She came down and told Terry told Terry that lying on the bed she had discovered an old photograph that she'd never seen before. It's not belong to them. There'd been nothing on the bed a few minutes earlier, she told her husband. The photograph was that of Raymond Lodge, the son of Sir Oliver Lodge, a famous scientist. It's the same Raymond who is communicating tonight. Oh, she says, <laughs> clear as mud. Um, okay, so... Yeah, Cheska, uh, Marion, please give Cheska the green stone, Graham said softly. It may help us ward off the attacks when they come. What will I do with it? Jessica. just hold it tightly and try not to drop it. Hurry, Gainer squealed. They are coming. I can see dark forms approaching the garden. Right, Graham exclaimed. It. Everybody put their hands on the table. and Have the ends of your little fingers touching th- those of the person next to you. So that's what they do. "'I can see them coming,' again, I suddenly shrieked in fright. "'They're here, they're here!' Immediately a loud banging noise resounding from the table. "'What the hell's that?' I yelled in alarm. Any response to my question was stemmed by another loud bang, followed by two more in quick succession. For a second a deathly silence enveloped us. A moment later an ominous, very loud scratching sound erupted from the table as if some huge taloned creature from hell was attempting to ga- gouge at the wood.' Um, They're trying to break the circle, Graham yelled. We've got to hold fast. Uh, Stand firm. Try to push the table down. Uh, The the, the table starts floating. Just levitating. Levitating, yeah. Mm. Um, Stand firm, Graham shouts loudly. Try to push the table down. We must not allow them to break the circle. Uh, The table's uh, shoving me backwards, says Joe, with some considerable force, but I pushed on it with all strength. My colleagues were doing the same when gradually the table gave way under our concerted efforts. Finally it dropped to the floor with a deep thud. Is it safe to turn on the light? Pat whispered. Uh, Graham soft, spoke again in a soft tone. This is Raymond. You have done well to withstand the first attack, but it is the first of many. You may turn on the light and rest for a short while. Um, so again, yeah, th- this this happens again and again. They uh, th- this This kind of psychical physical attacks. sort Mm. of you know the table being they're being pushed around Um, yeah in another attack um, Gainer screams out oh they're pulling my hair hang on Gainer Marion roared fearing for her daughter's safety I reached out for Cheska's hand what about the stone she murmured we'll hold it between each other's palms Placing my left hand on her right hand, we held hands, the green stone nestling between our spiring palms. Don't let go, Cheska pleaded with a trembling voice. I'll try not to. Um, So uh, Raymond speaks through Graham. Everybody hold hands tightly. Um, Cheska squeezed my hand and the green stone pressed further into my palm. Three loud raps erupted from the table, followed by a long, deep, scratching sound. They're pulling me out, Gainer screamed in in terror. I've got you, Pat shouted valiantly. Oh, it's horrible, Grant. I can feel their long, bony fingers pulling on my body. Pull, Pat, pull, Terry. And Marion yelled in unison. Like a scene from a horror movie, we were involved in a nightmare tug of war against a force beyond our comp- comprehension. Even so, I was not prepared to lose without a fight. Um, pull, I bellowed at the top of my voice as adrenaline surged through my body. With one concerted effort, Gainer was pulled back from the brink of disaster and the table thudded to the floor. Graham slumped into his chair and began to speak. This is Raymond. You have done extremely well. The battle is not over yet, for the race will return several more times. They will not give up that easily. Rest while you can, for you will need all your strength for what lies ahead. When you begin again, please hold hands. So they go through it all again. The hear again a shrieks, three loud raps erupted from the table, followed by deep rasping sounds. In the blackness, the table levitated straight into the air, and my colleagues and I immediately jumped to our feet. The table rammed into my chest, winding me momentarily. Cheska gripped my hand tightly. Once again, I could feel the green stone pressed between our palms. Next to me, in the darkness, Graham stood motionlessly. Suddenly, an icy chill swept the room, and I felt his hand stiffen in mine. "'A horrible hiss escaped from his mouth, "'and I could feel his hands trying to break away from my grip. "'In an instant, I realised what had happened. "'They've taken over Graham!' I shouted in horror. "'Don't let go, Joe!' Terry roared back at me. "'For God's sake, hang on to him!' Marion yelled. "'Gripping Graham's hand even tighter, "'I hung on as the entity within him "'fought to release his hand from my grasp.' Cheska screamed in fright, adding to the confusion that had gripped the group. The table was pushing me further backwards. Leaning forwards, I pressed down the table with the top of my elbows in an attempt to force it down. Don't let them take Graham, Joe. Hold on to him or we'll be in mortal danger. Graham Gaynor screamed again. Oh, God, I can feel them. They're pulling me out. It was mayhem in the darkness. Gaynor was hanging on to Graham while she herself was under attack. Pat, Terry and Marion were attempting to push the table down while trying to hold Gaynor. Next to me, Cheska was violently attempting to push the table down with her elbows while trying to hold my hand. Graham was hissing horribly and the entity within him struggled to release the hand from my grip. My right arm... "'burned with the effort of holding on to Graham. "'His hand was gradually slipping out of my grasp "'for they had become hot and sweaty. "'I hung on for dear life "'as his hand slipped further out of my grasp. "'Now I was hanging on to his fingertips. "'My strength gave away "'as Graham's fingers finally broke away "'from my despairing grip. "'He was free. "'As Graham staggered back, "'I released my hold on Cheska. "'I've dropped the stone!' "'She screamed out loud. "'That was the least of my problems at that moment. "'With the last dregs of my strength, "'I grabbed Graham by the scruff of the neck "'and slammed him down on the table.' It dropped to the floor with a deep, heavy thud. At that instant, I lay across Graham in an effort to stop him from getting up. The muffled voice said, ''It's all right now. This is Raymond. The danger has passed for night. Turn on the lights and rest.'' Cheska <sighs> <sighs> was trembling and nearly crying with fear. ''You let go of me and the green stone shot out of my hand,'' she complained. ''There was nothing else I could do. If I hadn't let go and grabbed Graham, he would have been pulled out of the circle and then goodness knows what would have happened.'' Graham stood up. What happened? He asked as he gave a questioning Look, Graham completely oblivious (laughs) to his entire possession. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, I realised that if it happened again, I didn't have the strength to hold on to him. Cheska had calmed down slightly but was still trembling. Her eyes relayed exactly what she was feeling at that moment. Terror. Let's get it over with, Graham said, picking his chair up from where it had fallen. Terry turned off the lights and used the beam of his torch to return to his seat. Hang on a minute, Marion tried. What about the circle? Taking the torch from Terry, she walked around and inspected the circle of salt. It was broken in several places. Taking the pot of salt she had placed earlier close by, Marion sealed the breaches and protected the circle. That was a close call, she uttered. This is Raymond. Please put your hands on the table as before, first touching fingers. This is the final assault. You must be strong and on no account break the circle. Instantly, Gainus squealed out, They are here! Um, The words were followed by three loud rapping sounds, and the table lifted dramatically into the air. Graham was standing next to me in the darkness. Then, to my horror, he went flying backwards out of the circle, as if pulled by some unseen hand, falling into a crumpled heap on the floor. Oh no! I yelled, they've got him! Immediately, Graham stood up, although the room was almost in complete darkness, apart from the dim glow of dying embers in the hearth. Faint moonlight filtering in through the window close by made Graham fairly visible. He was in the top left hand corner of the lounge and was spitting and snarling. The wraiths now possessed him, for his face was a mask of evil. The deadly danger that we were now in became apparent, as a malevolent creature now had possession over Graham's body began to claw at us. Gainer moved forward and faced the advancing Graham, pointing a finger at him. It is I, she cried out. Be gone. To my astonishment, Graham collapsed to the floor. Is it safe to turn on the lights? asked Terry. Yes, Gaynor replied, but you must return swiftly to your seat. Um, Terry turned on the lights and hurried to his chair. Graham was lying prostrate on the carpet. Gainer quickly went to him, kneeling down. She held his hand and opened it, he opened his eyes. Are you okay? she said. I think so, Gaynor. What happened? The race took you over, but I felt the white lady possess my body. It was she who got rid of them. ''Have they gone there? queried Marin. ''I believe so,'' Graham grunted. He walked around to where Terry was sitting. ''Oh, wow!'' Graham suddenly yelled in pain. ''Something's attacking me!'' His arms began to fly out in all directions in an effort to defend himself from this invisible assailants. He ran back to his seat and lifted his sweater. Down his back, several long red scratch marks were visible. Mm. ''They're still out there,'' he muttered. ''We'd better stay in the circle for a while.'' ''What about the rings?'' ''I stated.'' Uh, we didn't get them. I know Graham responded in disappointment, but I think for some reason that it is as it should be for the moment. I have no doubt, though, that we will get them soon. So and that went, was that for them.
1: I They way. went through all of that
0: and didn't even get the rings. They didn't, no. Um And she forgot the, the
1: chalice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we went through that without the chalice, without the protection of Guevara. Why would you do that? You know you're on a mission. Well, they didn't know that beforehand, though. But it's, all is well, they do get the the rings. So on the first Saturday in May, Terry rang me, asked me to come over. Graham, Marion and Gainer turned up a few days ago. Terry began, I thought that Pat and I were in for another scary night. Graham had felt the three of us should be at our house that night. Uh, but what for, he was not sure. Anyway, we began to discuss how the project was draining our financial resources. Graham said that there might... Maybe there was a way in which the project could assist us in gaining funds in order to ease the financial burden that running up and down Britain was causing us. Terry paused as Pat brought in the tray of coffee. She gave me a mug and sat down next to her husband. You know how we sometimes utilise a chessboard in some of the sketches, Joe? Yes. Well, we use it in a way that I did not think possible. I looked curiously. What do you mean? I asked. Remember the pound coin that I had in my test? Terry replied, I didn't go into that, but yeah. Uh, Graham asked me to get it. I gave it to him and he placed it under the chessboard. He asked us all to concentrate on the chessboard for a few seconds, then he lifted the board up. Go on then, Uh, don't keep us in a suspense, what's happened? Terry smiled, have a guess what was under the chessboard. I looked at Terry, said, nothing? Um, The coin had disappeared? Terry shook his head. Wrong, Joe. Far from there being nothing there, there were two one-pound coins. Hmm. Two coins? Yeah, that's right. But there's more. Graham replaced the chessboard on the coins, and when he lifted it up again after a few seconds, there were four coins. Blimey, I said. He continued to lift the chessboard up, and every time the coins had doubled in number until eventually there were 32 coins. How did you manage to do that? I asked it had something to do with the tree of life terry confided we were somehow tapping into the energy of the tree but there was a problem the more the tree was used to gain monetary assistance the more the energy levels were disrupted we could feel the change in the room it was almost as if we were upset in the balance of the tree we realized that the financial assistance could not be gained by utilizing the project so graham decided to discontinue what we were doing when he realized the chessboard Raised the chessboard again. There was only one Patton coined there. Um, He paused, seemingly waiting for my response. I missed an interesting night, I stated in mock annoyance. Terry didn't say anything, but the look on his face showed that he was supposedly holding something back. There's something you are not telling me, isn't there, Terry? I commented. Go on, tell him, Pat interjected. All right, then, Terry responded, feeling that he had kept me in suspense long enough. A few days later, Graham turned up with a Marion and Gaynor and we spent all day doing various strange things as normal. Then something happened. He paused, milk in the moment, for all it was worth. Yes, go on, I stated impatiently. Terry sipped his coffee slowly. As I was wondering what the hell we were doing, seven rings fell from out of the air and clattered onto the coffee table. Somehow we managed to obtain the rings that we had been after. That's incredible, I replied. Devastated that I'd missed out such an event. Can I look at them? And we do have a picture of four mm. of the rings. Uh, Terry said, unfortunately, they're not here. Tar- Marion's taken them back with her, but you'll ch- You get a chance to see them next time.
1: Is that four out of the seven?
0: That's four of the seven rings, yeah, in the picture. But they need those rings to be able to get the sword. Mm-hmm. The Sword in the Stone is the name of the next chapter. And I, I'm just going to briefly go through this one because they they get some kind of psychic information. They got to go to a place called Chartley Castle and look for this sword. Um I can't remember which one's it is, uh Gainer, Terry, is it Pat or Marion? I can't remember. Um Marion. Yeah, they walk around this this castle. Sort of trying to get their their psychic um, links to it, you know, get the, get the feel for where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I think the, um, Marion jumps down off a wall. Not a bit of it. It's the sword. i found the sword, she shouted. She shouted. What? Graham said. They race over. Where is it, mum? Getting her ass excitedly. It's in a bush that's, going out, that's growing out of the wall, Marion exclaimed excitedly, a face, a picture of relief, now that the sword had been located. Graham le- leaned his tall frame over the wall and peered down at the small bush clinging tightly to the cold grey stone castle exterior. His face broke into a s- smile. He could see the sword. Leaning over as far as he could, Graham stretched his arm in an attempt to grasp the handle, but was unable to reach it. Um... If you and Terry lift me up and hold me by my legs, I should be able to get it, Marion responded quickly. So literally, that's what they do. They're dangling her off the end of a castle, off the the parapet of a castle, so she can reach down and pull this sword out of a stone in the castle wall. Oh, so they're on the outside trying
1: to go in through the top. Is that what you mean? I'm
0: not entirely sure. The castle is just a small ruin. If you look at the picture in the book, there's not a lot to it. Um, okay, but that is where they find it and uh, yeah straining under the effort to prevent Marion falling to her death Gret- Terry and Graham gripped the top of the castle wall Marion inched closer her hand closed around a wooden sword hilt gently she pulled on the blade trying to dislodge it from its position much to her relief it slid out from between the stones without much effort I've bloody got it Marion cried I've got the sword so they pull her back up and here is a picture of the sword it's only a simple Simple, uh, very old-fashioned sort of... Uh, looks almost it like a Roman longsword, doesn't it? It is
1: quite simple, isn't it? Mm. It's not exactly like glamorous or covered in jewels. No, it's not anything. at all.
0: Um, but they need that for the red stone. And is that on a different chapter? Or... This
1: is for the red stone? Yeah. Because uh, you said chalice, so uh, sword, then stone. Or was it sword, chalice, stone? One of them, three of them.
0: Chalice, sword, stone. Um.
1: So yeah. So just to have a little, a tiny little recap, so yeah, I don't get it. confused. Yeah. Right. So. Because <laughs> that was a that was a big old segment. Yeah. Right. So. They do all these tests to get the information, to get the rest of the stones. Yeah. Which they've done at this point, apart yeah. from the redstone. Apart from the redstone. So then they have now got the the sword. Yeah. But they have they found the chalice as well. Yeah. And things are like materializing and
0: appearing. Yeah. The rings, and... yeah, just materialize out of thin air and fall onto the table. And they mm. have to use those, I, I, I guess, to, to boost their psychic power in and in a, in a, to enable them. To find the sword
1: mm. and the stones are starting to show their power as well a little bit because like with, yeah. with the coins multiplying and things like that and now they've got the, the sword so now, now they're they, on their way to get now the they've got to stone. do
0: a ritual to get the stone because <laughs> obviously the, the, the stones just kind of materialise mm. you, you know almost in the palm of their hand or in their pocket or whatever um, but they have to do a ritual to get this last stone this is the epic stone. The the, the, the ring, the stone of power, yeah. Mm. The red stone. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, a few days later or whatever, about midday, they, 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 they've all gathered. They know that they're in for another day of strange events. Uh, Graham says, now that we've got Guevara's sword, we can get the red stone. How are we going to do that, Terry inquired. Joanne can tell us how to get the red stone. Graham stated, What do you mean, Terry asked his brow furrowed as he stared curiously at his colleague. His daughter had never before been involved, Joanne is Terry's daughter, been involved in what had taken place at his home, tried to ensure that both of his children were protected from whatever was transpiring. Graham says, Joanne knows. She can tell us how to obtain the stone. So Terry calls his daughter in and says, Joanne, Have you been having any funny dreams or been thinking of anything different recently? Uh, It won't let me turn the page. Here we go. Uh, Joanne says, It's strange that you've asked me that, Dad. I had a dream last night of a red man chasing me along a straight road while I was riding my bike. Anything else? Well, when I woke up this morning, for some reason, I was thinking about the nursery rhyme Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow? with silver bells and cockle shells and three maids all in a row. Hmm. Terry, hummed trying to understand the significance. I think the nursery rhyme is relevant for some reason, Graham responded. It seems that you have been selected for this sketch, Joanne. You will know what to do to get the red stone. Um, so Joanne sat on the sofa nonplussed at the idea of her involvement. Uh... Pat sat down and put a protective arm around her daughter. She was not happy with Joanne's involvement, but she would ensure that she was close at hand should events turn against them. Throughout the day, Graham, Gaynor, Terry and Pat followed Joanne's instructions. Although Terry was not sure about his daughter's involvement, he became convinced when a series of strange events began to manifest in and out of the house. When Joanne placed all four of them in certain positions, both in the cottage and out in the garden, a high-pitched humming sound erupted around them. During the rest of the daylight hours, other bizarre events occurred that Joanne stated would lead them to obtaining the red stone. Terry scratched his head in puzzlement. Both he and Pat were totally bemused by what their young daughter was doing. She seemed to instinctively understand what she had to do. With the onset of darkness, the day's events were coming to a culmination. We have to go outside, Joanne said at once. So they all go outside. Uh, The night was relatively warm. Something that everyone was glad of. Joanne made her way to the right side of the former orchard and stood a few paces from the three dams and trees which stood close to her in a line. Right, Dad, she said. You stand by that one. Mum, you stand in the middle one. And Graham, you stand by the other one. So the trio walked to their allotted spots and stood waiting to see what the youngster was going to do next. Um... Joanne turned and pointed to the stone circle that Terry had been asked to build some time previously by the entities communicating with the Miania group. Gainer, I need you to stand in the middle stone middle of the stone circle, please. Okay? Gainer goes and stands there. Joanne looked around her. Everyone was in position. She gazed up at the night sky. Above the sky was cloudless, the stars glittering against black abyss of space. They're in the right position, Joanne remarked, gesticulating the stellar objects. Um Moving to the middle of the garden, she stood silently, gazing out into the night of the fields of the, beyond the garden. The nursery rhyme began to g- run through her head. Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? Um, with silver bells, cockle shells, and three maids all in a row, she said. As the verse ended, a sound echoed across the darken, darkened countryside. Terry gasped, his mouth open in amazement. He could clearly hear the sound of church bells resounding through the night from across the fields. Terry turned to his colleagues. Can you hear that? Yes, I can hear it. Terry, Pat replied, so can I, said Graham. Those are the silver bells, Jan- Joanne retorted. And the dams and trees are the three maids all in a row. As the melodic sound of the bells faded into night, Joanne moved to the edge of the stone circle. Now it's time for everyone to stand in the circle, she continued. The trio joined Gainer. In the circle, and the four four stood silent, watching Joanne. She appeared to be listening to something, head slightly cocked to one side. Can you hear that? she said. Four comrades strained their ears, trying to catch whatever it was that Joanne was hearing. Close by a buzzing sound, just like a bee, was clearly audible. What's that? Gain explained. At that moment a small red light appeared at the top of the garden, close to the well that was they'd dug. Uh, the noise appeared to be emanating from the red light which was buzzing and flitting about in the, s- the same manner as a bee. All five watched fascinated as this tiny red light flitted from point to point, buzzing along as it did so. When the light stopped flashing, the buzzing also stopped, only to re- recommence when the light red light appeared. "Gainer, you have to grab the light, Graham revealed to the teenager. Joanne has done her bit, now it's up to you. I'll try my best, Gainer said. Remember, Gainer, you can only grab it when it's observable. That's quite obvious, she thought to herself. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, she 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 goes out there and she's like trying to swat it out of the air. She fails a few times and then eventually she manages to grab it. I think I've got it, she cried excitedly, running towards the colleagues. I think I've got the red stone. Gainer ran to the circle and joined her companions. Let's go to the house and get a look at what it is you've got. It's too dark out here. They go into the the into the cottage. Um, Gaina opened her hand. All eyes fell on the object that lay in her outstretched palm of the young teenager. Nestling in her palm was a brooch in the shape of a bee, its body formed by a beautiful red gemstone. Mm. This is the bee stone, Graham informed his colleagues. It is your st- stone, Joanne. Keep it safe. And that is the red stone, all of them. They have all of the stones. All
1: the stones.
0: So, that's where I'm going to end it today, because now we've got all of the stones, apart from this little chapter here, where they meet up with some Canadian guy who says that there's other groups all around the world. There's about four groups all around the world that are doing similar things. Plot twist. Yeah. Um, but he he only comes in it for that one that one chapter and he disappears and you don't really hear anything about him again, um, <laughs> like a checkpoint. <laughs> in a game. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> but yeah, I mean now it's the start of the end game now, mm. um, the final test. So I'm going to leave it there. We've already run for an, over an hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I was getting into that. Are you, are was, you enjoying it?
1: I am. I, I will just apologise at, at one point during that. I had an eyelash in my eye. Oh, did so you? I was <laughs> trying not to focus on it, and I'm like blinking excessively. And I'm like, oh, I'll close my eyes for a sec. Uh, so, yeah, I do apologise for anyone. I'm trying to make that... sure the camera's on me for that bit. <laughs> yeah. You'll see it when you watch it back. I'm like, oh, no, get out. But, no, I did enjoy it when I was not focusing on the eyelash in my eye. Um, it's very interesting. It's, <laughs> I told you it'll challenge your beliefs, you know, this book... All I can say is I can't wait to talk to Joe about this. Yeah? I've noticed there's a couple of things there. I'll save it. I'll save yeah. it because we've, we've run over time. But, yeah, I, I've noticed a couple of things and a couple of occurrences. And I'm starting to have an idea in my mind of what is kind of happening in a way. Yeah? Yeah. It's, to me, I'm... You're coming I'm, to terms with it. I'm kind of. I've got this thing with dimensions. There, there seems yeah. to be like a dimension theme coming in.
0: Oh, very much so. Yeah, the, yeah. these stones basically have been transported mm. to another dimension for safekeeping, and obviously, the inhabitants of that dimension are trying to stop the group from mm-hmm. bringing the stones back. They don't w- want that to happen. Yeah, uh, and and th- those are the defenses that they have to keep putting up.
1: Mm. Well, you're doing a good job because I've not read the book and I am kind of keeping up with sort it and trying to, it, yeah. Yeah, trying to piece things together and things are making sense in my head. So. Oh, good, good. Well, wow. I'm glad you're enjoying it. One well, more
0: part to finish the story and then we'll have an interview with Joe and you can ask him all the questions that you, I can see you're eager to, mm, to yeah. ask because I don't have the answers. <laughs> I don't even know if Joe has the answers, but you know, we, we will find out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, if you're enjoying the story, you can always go to Amazon, buy it, pick it up for yourself, fill in the blanks, the little bits that I'm not able to fit into. Just you know, a couple of episodes, because <laughs> I mean it is a long old story. Um, so please do uh, buy it and enjoy it yourself. The Chronicles of Mio Nia. Chronicles of Mio Nia by Giuseppe Larosa. We will be finishing it next week, and until then. I've been Pirate. I'm Josh. This has been Paranormality UK. Ta-ta.
1: Ta-ta. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.